This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Bravo. All right, so here is the title of our message this morning. The Power of Grace-Fueled Encouragement. And that's what I want to speak to you about. How encouragement, when it is fueled by the grace of God, is just powerful in our lives. How it manifests the wonderful peace of God, the wonderful encouragement of God, and how we can persist and press on with anything that we face. But the key thing is in having our encouragement being fueled by the grace of God. All too often we look for encouragement, you know, from people, from places, from things, and maybe even from substance or from a hobby or just from something we enjoy. You know, we, we all have different ways of finding encouragement, but ultimately true encouragement comes from God. And true encouragement can only impact our lives when it is fueled, for the lack of a better word, by the grace of God. And so that's what I want to share with you today. And so if for any reason you have been experiencing this encouragement, you feel like courage has left. You feel maybe just, you know, how things have been going the last few weeks, the last few months, maybe even years. You just feel, what is the point? Why am I doing all this? Why is nothing changing? Why? And, you know, at times I've heard people say, you know, things seem to be getting worse instead of getting better. We deal with health issues, we deal with this, we deal with that. Finances, you know, just when we think we got some gain, then economy changes, things change. And so you may have a hard time staying motivated and staying encouraged. And I believe that this word is for you today. I believe that it will help you today. Now, if for any reason you have no issue and you feel pretty much encouraged, then this will help you encourage someone else. It will help you be a blessing to someone else when it comes to encouragement. But also, there, is, there are times when you will face situations where you may feel like your courage has left. And you will remember this word and it will, I believe, encourage you and motivate you. So praise God. Alright, so the power of grace-fueled encouragement. Now, let's begin by talking about signs of discouragement. Now there are many, so I'm not going to go through them all. But how can you know? How can someone know that just perhaps they need encouragement? Just perhaps encouragement is lacking in their lives. And no matter how hard they try, you know, most of us don't like to speak to people about our personal things and what we're going through. We like to be people of faith. We like to speak faith and trust God, and that's good. But Internally, we may be experiencing discouragement. So here are some of the common signs of discouragement, which means that you need encouragement. You know, when there's a lack of confidence or enthusiasm, that's a sign of discouragement. So, you know, you, you just don't have enough confidence in God, in trusting God in yourself, in what's going on around you, and you just don't feel enthusiastic. You have to force yourself to do things. That's a sign of discouragement. And also, when someone is disheartened, you know, you feel just disheartened in general. People have let you down. Things have let you down. Situations have let you down. Institutions have let you down. The workplace has let you down. 
you know, you may feel like your spouse has let you down, your family has let you down, you just feel disheartened. That's a sign of discouragement. And then also, you know, you feel like you've lost your determination. You feel like you don't have a drive anymore. It's like, you know, I'm going to do what I need to do to survive. I'm going to do what I need to do to keep the boat floating. But other than that, don't ask me to do more than that. You just feel like you've lost your determination, your drive. That's a sign of discouragement. Another sign of discouragement is a lack of motivation. You know, you have a hard time getting up. And when you're up, you just have a hard time getting things done and doing things. That's a sign of discouragement. Some people struggle with low self-esteem. That's a sign of discouragement. You know, you just don't feel happy with yourself. You don't feel like you're a blessing to anyone, that anyone appreciates you. You just feel like, what's the point? You know, it's like I'm at my lowest as far as the view of myself. Now, you may fake it well until you make it, but really and truly, you deal with that low self-esteem. That's a sign of discouragement. Or there's stress in your life or anxiety or you feel hopelessness. Those are all signs of discouragement. Maybe you feel anger. You know, you're angry at people, the people around you, people who have disappointed you. You may even feel angry at God sometimes. That's a sign of discouragement. And, you know, you may be discontent. You're just not content with anything. It's like everything just makes you unhappy. That's a sign of discouragement. And then also one of the other things that we find often <clears throat> with someone who is discouraged is, is that they withdraw emotionally. Just emotionally, they disconnect from those around them, from just their life, and they just withdraw because they don't want to invest themselves emotionally because it's just too painful, too toilsome, and it's just too much. So those are some of the signs of discouragement. Those are some of the signs that you need encouragement. Now, you may not be in that continuous state, but you may experience those far too often just way too often, more often than you want to. And the honest truth is we shouldn't experience those chronically. Because if we do, <clears throat> then obviously there are other issues. But you need to be encouraged. And God knows that. God knows that we will deal with this stuff in life. And this is why He's provided encouragement for us. But more than that, it's key to understand that God's encouragement should be grace Fueled, should be fueled by His grace. Anything else that fuels your encouragement is going to let you down, it's going to disappoint you, and it's not going to last. And so that's why we want to make sure that the encouragement we receive from God is the one that He intends for us to have, because then no matter what we're facing, no matter how we're feeling, God is going to keep us encouraged. Praise God. Amen. And that's what we want. So, Encouragement is an essential part of life. I mean, <laughs> show me someone who has more than enough encouragement and they just don't need any more. And so they post on social media or they call you and tell you or they text you and they say, you know, please just stop encouraging me. Uh, I, I feel so encouraged. I really don't need any more. Can you please find someone else to encourage? Or can I, can I give you some names of people that we both know? that you can encourage, because I'm just so super over-encouraged, I just don't need any more. Do you know anyone like that? I surely don't. We all need encouragement. All of us cannot but have enough encouragement. We want encouragement. And if we feel like we have lots of it, we don't mind a little more. Isn't that true? 
because encouragement is a part of life. Encouragement is an essential part of life. It is part of what we need. It's one of our human needs, encouragement. And that's why we want to speak about it today. Encouragement, because when you think about what encouragement does for us, encouragement fuels us in the midst of adversity. Isn't that so? That's what it does. When, you face, when you're facing a situation, adversity, when you're feeling terrible maybe, encouragement lifts you up. Encouragement motivates you. Encouragement gives you almost the perseverance to press through and continue no matter what. Everyone needs encouragement. Even the worst of humanity needs encouragement because we are wired to have encouragement in our system. Let me show you some quotes, and these are not necessarily scripture-based, but these are quotes from famous people that have, you know, uh, maybe have come and gone, may still be there, and I don't necessarily know them all well or about them well, but what I want to focus on is the quote. And so, <clears throat> look at these quotes. We're going to have them come up on the screen one by one. Look at these quotes and what they say about encouragement, and we'll see just how necessary, how important it is for us to have it. And I know that I'm preaching to the choir, but I want to remind us so that we understand later what I'm going to share with you and it'll all make sense. Here's the first one by George M. Adams. And he said, encouragement is the oxygen of the soul. Isn't that true? Our soul consists of our will, mind and emotions. And he says, encouragement is the oxygen of our soul. And I mean, you know, <laughs> I was thinking as I was preparing, and I said, Lord, <clears throat> is there someone who doesn't need encouragement? Besides you, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, is there someone, or do we get a place where we don't need encouragement? And I waited a little bit, and I kind of, you know, I didn't hear his voice, but I heard the impression on the inside of me. And he basically said to me, yes, anyone who's no longer breathing, they're the only ones who don't need encouragement. And that is so true, because encouragement is the oxygen to the soul. Amen. Think about a time when you just felt terrible, just things were going so bad, and someone just gave you a word of encouragement. Someone just did something that encouraged you. How did it make you feel? Encouragement is powerful. Amen. And we can do a whole series on this, but this is a one-off message. Here's another quote by Dave Willis. He said, Be an encourager. The world has plenty of critics already. <laughs> that was his cry to say, you know, there's enough people that find what's wrong with me and what I'm doing wrong. So how about just being someone who encourages me? Now we need coaches in our lives. We need mentors in our lives. But even they can extend encouragement because they themselves need encouragement. Amen. You know, there's a saying that says hurting people hurt people. Well, it's the same thing. People that are not encouraged don't encourage others. And that's a fact. Why? Because we cannot give what we don't have. If we don't have encouragement, if we don't receive encouragement, we have nothing to give. And so that's in essence what he's conveying there. Now, here's another quote, which is by an unknown person. But this is what it says. A word of encouragement during a failure is worth more than an hour of praise after success. Isn't that deep and powerful? It is so true. You know, when you run the race and you win, people can carry on about it for an hour or more. 
for days. But when you are down, just one word of encouragement will lift you up. And it will mean more than the hours of praise you received for, for winning. Isn't that so? Here's another one by Benjamin uh, Disraeli. He said, The greatest good you can do for another is not just to share your riches, but to reveal to him or her his own. And isn't that true? More than giving people money and finances and this and that if we can, what is even more meaningful is by helping them see the riches they have in themselves about themselves. That's talking about encouragement. Wouldn't you agree? It's powerful stuff. And so encouragement is a vital part of life. We need it. We want it. You need it and you need to have it. That's why I'm sharing this with you today. Because I want to encourage you. But also at the same time, I want to encourage all of us to be more aware of being an encourager. Amen. You know, I heard a preacher say this long, long ago, and I've kind of adopted that into my mentality and my belief system. You know, there are four kinds of people in this world. Those that subtract and divide, and those that multiply and add. Well, I want people who multiply and add in my life, not subtract and divide. You know, then I've also heard the saying, there's people, people are like elevators. They either take you up or they take you down. We don't want people to take us down. We want to go up. But we also want to be those who take people up and not down. Amen. That's what encouragement is about. And so to be an effective encourager, we need to know how to be encouraged ourselves. Because like I said earlier, we cannot impart what we don't have. We cannot give what we don't have. If we don't know how to receive encouragement, if we don't know how to be encouraged, we are not going to be able to give encouragement and encourage others. And you'll find that is often a trait. Someone who doesn't necessarily encourage you is someone who doesn't receive encouragement. That's why they're, not, they're giving you what they have, which is discouragement. But we want to be above that. Why? Because of what Jesus, what God has done for us in and through Jesus. Amen. We have every reason to be encouraged. No matter what we face, we are redeemed and on our way to heaven. That is the beginning of our encouragement. Praise God. Amen. Now, remember the title of our message is The Power of Grace-Fueled Encouragement. So there's two words in that title. Grace and encouragement. So let's talk a little bit about that. And I want to remind us what those two are and what they mean just so that I can explain further what I'm about to get into. So the power of grace-fueled encouragement. What is grace? What is encouragement? Well, firstly, grace is the unmerited favor of God. Right? We cannot earn it, and we certainly don't deserve it. We just need to receive it. And praise God for His grace. Wouldn't you agree? Praise God for His unmerited favor outside of our merit and performance. Grace is truly just a gift from God. And it is given to us in and through Jesus. So it's not given to us based on what we do, what we don't do. You see, sometimes people make the mistake that they need to earn and deserve grace. But here's the thing. If grace is God's unmerited favor, that means that you cannot merit it. So what are you doing trying to earn or deserve it? Because that's merit. No, it is really just putting all our efforts, all our 
religious performance and saying, God, it is purely by your grace that your blessing and favor rests on me. That's grace. Amen. So grace is the unmerited favor of God. So going back to our title, it is the power of unmerited fueled encouragement. You see, encouragement, we're able to receive encouragement. We're able to accept it no matter what, even if we've messed up ourselves and we got ourselves into that situation, we are able to receive encouragement because we understand that it's fueled by God's unmerited favor. In other words, God doesn't encourage you because you deserve it or because you've earned it. <laughs> or He doesn't withhold encouragement because you've messed up. He encourages you because it is based on what He has done for us in and through Jesus. Amen. I'm starting to get into what I'm getting to here. And so that's grace. What is encouragement? How would you define encouragement? Well, <clears throat> encouragement is when we are inspired to persevere regardless of circumstance or feelings. Isn't that so? I'm going to say that again. Listen to it carefully. Encouragement is when we are inspired to persevere regardless of circumstance or feelings. So you may be feeling really bad. Terrible things may have happened to you. Terrible things may be going on around you. You may be going through the most trying of times in your life. But encouragement inspires you to press through, to persevere through it all, regardless of what's going on and regardless how you are feeling. I'm going to get through this because I trust God and His favor is there outside of my merit and performance. Amen. So that's what encouragement is. But just to bring home what encouragement is, let me say just a couple more things. Encouragement is when we experience hope, motivation, and optimism. That's encouragement. Encouragement is when certainty and confidence is instilled in us. Amen. It's just awesome. And you know, at the end of the day, encouragement restores courage in people. Because whether it's encouragement or discouragement, there's a common word in there, courage. And that's what encouragement does is it restores, it puts back courage in people. Because people who are not encouraged have lost the courage to continue to keep facing whatever they're facing. So that's what encouragement does. And that's what God does for us by His grace. He restores courage in us. Courage to get up, to pick up, and keep going. Amen? That's why encouragement is essential. Now, having said all that, then... There are other ways we can actually word our title. And so I'm going to give you two of how else I would word this title. They're going to be long. That's why I kept it short. But having explained all that, you can also <laughs> retitle this message this way. It is the power of being inspired to persevere because you know that you have God's unmerited favor on your side. Wouldn't you agree? That's another way of saying that. So that's how it's grace-fueled. It's when you know you have God's unmerited favor on your side, that's why you are inspired to persevere. Another way we can title this message is, The power lies in finding inspiration to persist, knowing that you have God's undeserved favor on your side. Amen? So I want to make sure that you understand it and that you solidify that. 
So let's have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4, 4 from the Amplified Translation. Watch how God assures us of encouragement and how He does it and why He does it. Look at this here. It says, Blessed, gratefully, praised and adored, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of some comfort. Is that what it says? No. It says the God of all comfort. And that word comfort, by the way, can also be translated as encouragement. The Father of all comfort, watch this, who comforts us and encourages us, watch this, in every trouble, so that we will be able to comfort and encourage those who are in any kind of trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So you can see from that that you cannot encourage effectively if you yourself don't know how to receive encouragement or you don't want encouragement. But some of the beautiful things that we see in that portion is, is that God takes personal interest in our encouragement. Because it says that He Himself is the source of encouragement and He extends that encouragement to us when we are facing trouble. And then when we experience and see just how He encourages us, it motivates us to encourage others the same way because we've experienced it for ourselves. Now notice, it's in every trouble and some in any kind of trouble. That tells us that God isn't the one that puts troubles together. But when we face them, He knows we need encouragement and so He is there to encourage us. Now notice, there's no pre-qualifiers to that. There's no conditions to that. Why? Because His encouragement is based on His grace. It is fueled by His grace. Amen. You see, so another thing that we've seen in that portion or that we can conclude from that portion is, is that God doesn't want us living discouraged. Why else would He comfort and encourage us if He, if he, if he was okay with us being discouraged at times? I mean, can you imagine the angels in heaven, the saints in heaven, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit in heaven? Can you imagine them just having a bad day and being discouraged? No, there's no such thing. Eternity has no discouragement in it. Amen. And God wants us to experience that reality here. That's why He provided Jesus. He provided grace. And He Himself gets personally involved. He Himself gets personally involved in encouraging you and me. Amen. Praise God for that. You see, God wants us encouraged so we can be an encouragement to others as well. In other words, He just doesn't doesn't, he doesn't mind sharing the encourage, encouragement to others. So he encourages us and encourages you know, all, all different of us. But he also lets us encourage others as we experience his encouragement because we can't have enough. There's not enough. We, we can always do with more encouragement. So he doesn't mind spreading the load and sharing the load and sharing the work. You've experienced my encouragement. Now go ahead and share, share it with someone else. Amen. So encouragement is important to God and he takes personal interest in our encouragement. So, what we also see from that portion of Scripture is, is that God is the source of encouragement. Because Paul said, He is the one, the source of encouragement, right? God, this, this is something else that we've seen in that portion. God is an encourager Himself. Did you see that? 
When he sees us done and out, he personally gets involved in encouraging us. Why? Because he's an encourager himself. Amen? So not only is he the source of encouragement, but he's also an encourager himself. Amen? And notice that the other thing we saw in that portion is, is that God comforts us without reservation. So if ever you feel, well, I don't know if God's going to comfort me because I actually had a part in that mess and, uh, you know, I may have caused it, I feel guilty or I just don't feel like I deserve it. Well, <laughs> praise God He doesn't take that into account when He encourages you. Amen. So even when you've intentionally messed up and you are at your worst, and I'm not saying we should do that, okay? But whenever that may happen, God will encourage you regardless. This is why people can have hope even when everyone else finds fault with them. Amen. Why does He do that? Because His encouragement is on the basis of His grace, His unmerited favor. He does not look at your merit and your performance to encourage you. He encourages you because He's an encourager. He's the source of encouragement and He loves you unconditionally. Amen. So you can always count on God's encouragement because it is based on His grace. So when you and I need learn and become aware of and know that we can receive encouragement from God 24-7, we understand that we can do that because it's on the basis of His grace. His encouragement is fueled by His grace. Amen. That's why we can receive it anytime we need it. Amen. And I want to encourage you to receive it, even as I'm sharing this today. I can actually sense the anointing right now. I think He's encouraging me. Uh, but also I believe He's encouraging you as we share this word today. So remember what I said. He comforts us. He encourages us without reservation. Why? Because it is on the basis of His grace. It is fueled by His grace. Let me show you that. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. Now in 2 Corinthians 12... What we see is the Apostle Paul facing a challenge in his life. And apparently it was a major issue because he takes time to write about it and then he tells us how to overcome it when we find ourselves in similar situations. Now this is what is commonly known as the thorn in Paul's flesh. And as you know, we've taught on that. There's great misunderstanding out there about the thorn in Paul's flesh. I mean, just a while back, I was speaking to someone and they were telling me about how they, you know, spoke to this pastor who was retiring or something like that. And they were looking for someone to take over the church and they got to speak a little bit. And this pastor was just, you know, sharing some of the health, major health issues that he was facing. And he attributed all of that to the thorn in his flesh. In other words, God is doing this to me. God has done this to me to teach me and show me. And I'm thinking, and, I'm, and the person who was listening was also thinking, then what was the point of Jesus? Why did He do what He did for you if you are meant to carry your own thorns? Well, we know. Anyway, I don't want to get into that. And so, But that's what Paul was facing here. It, it is called a thorn in his flesh. And, we, you know, we've taught on that and we'll teach on it again sometime. But Paul was facing a major challenge. And to be honest, when you look at that portion in context, he was discouraged. He was facing discouragement. He needed encouragement. So he reaches out to God. <clears throat> now, just for a moment there, 
you will see that even though Paul the Apostle was the great revelator of the grace of God, he himself, just for a moment, stepped away from the grace of God and was trying to earn and deserve his healing miracle. And God realigns him to his grace. And he encourages him that way. And I'm going to explain it all to you. And this is where we're going to get a little intricate, okay? But here it is, yeah. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. This is now Paul the Apostle in need of encouragement when facing the situation. So he cries out to God. And look at what he says God said to him. But he said to me, watch this, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Another way you can word that word weakness is inability. So basically, Paul cried out to God. And what God said to him, you can leave it on there. What God said to him is, Paul, you have my grace and it is sufficient for you. Because when you keep your eye on my grace, he says, my power will be manifest because my power manifests best in your inability. In other words, my ability can really work for you when you realize your own inability to do anything about it, obviously. And so then Paul says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, in other words, my inabilities, so that Christ's power may rest on me. In other words, Paul caught a clue. He realized what God said to him. And he realigned himself to what God said, which is what? His grace. So basically in that portion, you see in the first part of that verse, Paul is discouraged. And he, he cries out to God. God encourages him, but it's grace-fueled encouragement. And then Paul has the, you know, bring his back on the revelation. And he then is propelled and inspired to press forward. Amen. So when Paul needed encouragement, what did God do? He pointed him to his grace. He pointed him to his unmerited favor. In other words, what God said to him is, Paul, stop trying to earn or deserve your, your miracle, your healing. Just focus on what I've done for you in and through Jesus. Focus on my grace is what God said to him. And you know, that's how we will find encouragement. Oftentimes when we're discouraged and we're down and out, we have a tendency to do what Paul initially did. And that is to focus on ourselves and what we've done, what we haven't done, and have this mindset of trying to earn and deserve God's encouragement. You know, and, you know, sometimes we feel sorry for ourselves. It's like, God, look, look how terrible I feel. That should motivate you to encourage me. Well, that's looking at us. And God said, don't do that. Just look at my unmerited favor. Amen. You see, in other words, what God was saying to Paul is, Stop trying to earn or deserve my intervention. Just rely on my unmerited favor. That's in essence what God said to Paul. Let me prove this to you. If we just go one verse back, you'll see that that's exactly what Paul was trying to do. Is he was trying to earn and deserve God's intervention. And God said, Paul, stop doing that. Just focus on my grace because it is sufficient for you. In other words, it is more than enough. You know the answer. It's there. And so when he realized that, he was encouraged and he persisted. Amen. Watch this. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 8. Just one verse back. 
Watch what he says here. And you'll see that he's trying to earn and deserve. He kind of stepped out of the grace realm for a moment there. Three times, he says, I pleaded, look at that, with the Lord to take it away from me. It must have been very frustrating for Paul. It must have been very irritating for him. It must have been a distraction for him. And this is why he got so passionate and emotional about it. And he says three different times, I didn't just ask God. He says, I pleaded with him. In other words, God, please do this. Whatever I've done, I'll fix it. Whatever I've done to cause it, I'll make it right. Just get rid of it, please. That's in essence what he was doing. So he was trying to see the reasons why he can earn and deserve God's blessing and favor and intervention in that situation. And then God answered him and he says, Paul, my grace is sufficient. Just focus on that. And he was encouraged and things changed for him. Amen. And so what I want us to do is look at that word pleaded. Let's put that verse back on. Watch us. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord. So what I want us to do is I want us to look at that word pleaded. And I want us to study this from the original a little bit more. Because there's times before when I've shared this with folks. And they challenge me and they say, well, I don't know if I read what you are reading in that. I mean, to me, it sounds like Paul was just asking three different times. And I don't know how you can prove that he had his merit and performance involved in it. In other words, that he was trying to earn or deserve it. Or let's put it this way, that he, was, he got legalistic about it. Because that's what legalism is. Legalism says, if I do, I'll get. You'll do for me. If I don't do, you won't give to me. I won't get. That's legalism, right? And some people say to me, well, I don't know if that's how you can interpret what Paul said. I don't see that legalism there. I don't see that him trying to, but I'm about to prove it to you and show you that that's exactly what he was doing. And so we're going to do that by looking at the word pleaded and studying it from the original. Now, the source that I'm going to use is the helps word studies. Now, helps, even though it sounds like the word help, just plural, helps. It's actually an abbreviation, H-E-L-P-S, and it stands for something. And so the reason why is because oftentimes I refer to this resource, and, and I've had one or two folks say, well, I don't know if that's a credible source. I don't know if you can you know, really use that, and I use my Strong's, and it says something different, and so forth. <laughs> I, I want to show you just a little detour here. This is for you who like to study Scripture and know a little bit more and deeper. I want to show you how this helps with studies is a wonderful, credible resource, sometimes better than most out there. And so let me put up, first of all, the what HELPS stands for, so you can see for yourself. Here's HELPS Word Studies. HELPS is an abbreviation, which stands for, and here it is, Hellenistic, Greek Exegesis, Linguistic, and Philology Seminar. <laughs> now you know why it's easier to just say helps, right? But let me tell you something. Let's put it back on. Every single word that you see there, it tells you something about that resource. First of all, Hellenistic Greek. That means that it looks at the original Bible New Testament spoken Greek language that it was written in. And then it says that it's an exegesis and it's linguistic and philology. What does that even mean, some say? And then seminar on top of that. What is that? What does that mean? Why, why, is the, why does this resource do that? Well, I'm glad you asked, because let me tell you real quick, 
what each and every single one of those terms mean. So let's move on and let's go to the next slide. Let me show you those terms. Now remember, I said you can go back. So I'm going to go through this quick. You can go back and look at it on our website and study this again. So what does exegesis mean? It is the critical explanation of the text, talking about scripture text. That's what exegesis is, is when you exhaust its meaning. Linguistic is the scientific study of language and its structure, including the study of morphology, in other words, where it comes from, syntax, phonetics, and semantics. So you can see it's not just a Mickey Mouse definition. It is actually an in-depth study of words and terms and phrases. And that's what this resource has. Now, philology or philology, if that's how you want to pronounce it, is the branch of knowledge that deals with the structure, historical development, and relationship of a language. In other words, this resource goes out of its way to give us its true in-depth meaning of a word. And then, philology seminar is the gathering or academic forum, in other words, a group of biblical language scholars focused on the study and exploration of language, its structures, and historical literature with a particular emphasis on analyzing and understanding the linguistic and philological aspects of the Greek language used in biblical texts. So, <laughs> I say that was going to be a mouthful, but I want to make sure you understand that when I say something, when I tell you the original say something, very seldom do I just say what I think it is or my opinion or what I've heard someone else say. I go and look at it and I make sure that what I'm saying is accurately represented. As you know, the teacher's anointing is on my life and praise God for that. So it's his doing. But I like to make sure that when I convey something to you, it carries its weight and it is accurate and true. And so this is why in this case, I want to show you what that word pleaded means from the original, but looking at the helps word studies, that resource. Because as you can see, there's a whole lot that goes into it. And so when they give you that meaning, you know all of that has happened and you can count on this meaning, right? And so just to, before we get to that word, let me show you the next slide to just tell you what the Helps Word Studies is, so you, we understand. The Helps Word Studies is a resource that provides detailed insights and explanations into the meanings of Greek words used in the New Testament. It offers in-depth analysis of the linguistic and cultural background of biblical Greek words, aiding in a deep understanding of the original intent and nuances of the text. In other words, how it was used in different ways as well. So you can see <laughs> that the Helps Word Studies, even though it's just purely a new Greek Testament resource, it is a pretty awesome resource. You can count on its meaning because it's being put through all of that that I've shown you, right? So I hope that you are convinced. So that was a little detour just to solidify that. So now going back to when Paul said, I pleaded with the Lord three times. Well, what did he mean when he said pleaded? Remember I said to you, it was his legalistic negotiation. He kind of stepped out of the realm of grace and was trying to earn and deserve. I'm going to show you that's exactly what he was doing by looking at the meaning of that word from the Helps Word Studies. Watch this. Here it comes. So he has the word pleaded. There's the Strong's number if you want to look at it. And it is the word parakaleo. 
Sounds familiar, doesn't it? The Holy Spirit, the Paracletus. It's the same thing. It, it, this is actually the root word of Paracletus. It, it is parakaleo. And it comes from two other original words. So it's a compound of two words. It is the word para, which means from close beside, and from the word kaleo, which means to call. Properly put then, it means make a call. From being close up and personal. In other words, this is me by my doing calling on you. That's another way you can put that. Then it goes on and it says, personally make a call. In other words, on the basis of your person, of you, what you do, what you can do. Refers to believers, and here it comes, watch this. Refers to believers offering up evidence that stands up in God's court. <laughs> right there you see that Paul was trying to present his own merit and performance. And this is why he did it three times. Then just to solidify, the helps continues with the next meaning of it, to help us understand it more. Parakaleo, which is that word, is the root of parakletos, which is often used for the Holy Spirit, which means legal advocate. Look at that. And the Holy Spirit does do that for us, as Jesus does that, you know, that seated at the right hand of God. But it's legal advocate, watch this, likewise has legal overtones. So if for any reason you ever doubted when I said that Paul was trying to negotiate with God and he kind of stepped out of the realm of grace, now you know why God answered him the way he did. Right? And so that's why in verse 9, God answers and comes in and he says, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. There's no need for you to try and deserve anything. So he was encouraging him and Paul knew that and he received that. And that's why he says, Ah, I got it. So I will boast in my inability because then God's ability manifests in my life. And notice, he doesn't mention that issue ever again. And I believe that he received his healing. Praise God. And so Paul was pleading on the basis of his merit, which is why God realigned him to his grace. Amen. And remember also that God told Paul that his grace was sufficient well, what does that mean? Sufficient for him. What does that mean? It means that his grace is abundant, that it is all-encompassing, that it is fully capable of providing for Paul what he needed. And that's why, that's what grace is. It's his doing, not our doing. Amen. And so, what was true for Paul is also true for us. Amen. Isn't that so? So God's grace is the key to encouragement, to real, true, divine encouragement. So whenever we need encouragement, we need to remind ourselves, it is not me doing, don't try and impress God or plead to God or, you know, I plead the blood of Jesus and I shouldn't have done that, but that's a different thing that is so often misused and misunderstood. You don't have to plead for it, it's already been shared for you, it's already given to you. But people have these religious ways of trying to earn and deserve and God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And when we have that understanding, it fuels encouragement. And we're able to, we just have the supernatural strength to persist in God. And let me tell you something. I'm speaking from experience. There are so many things that, like all of us, I have faced. Not just my health, not just different situations. And I have to remind myself, it is not by my doing, not my merit, my performance. It is by His grace. And you know, it's amazing how 
God encourages you in times like that. Praise God. Now, the other thing that God also told Paul is, is that his power would be made perfect in weakness. And what he meant by that is, is that when Paul acknowledged his inability to make this happen, it is then that he put his trust and confidence in God and his grace. And as a result of that, God's power was manifest in his life. You see, sometimes we need to just get out of the way and just say, Father, I'll keep doing what I've been told to do by the doctors. I understand I need to take care of myself, but ultimately my trust is in you and your grace because your grace is sufficient for me. Your unmerited favor is sufficient for me. So my trust is in you ultimately. Amen. And when we do that, we all of a sudden just get this encouragement that even though we may still feel it, even though we may still be experiencing it, we can do it encouraged by the wonderful divine encouragement of God. Amen. I trust that this is making sense and blessing someone. Praise God. And so this is what grace-filled encouragement looks like. Are you with me? I hope that you are receiving this because I know this is... I sense in my, I, check, I can sense the anointing. I can sense God just breaking through some barriers there. You see, when God's grace is the foundation of our encouragement, it also becomes the foundation of our encouragement to others. Amen. Remember, He said He is the God of all comfort, and as you experience it, then you will go around comforting others. You see, when we experience His supernatural encouragement, we cannot help ourselves but to share it with others too. Amen. That ultimately what he's saying. Look at this. Let me show you that proof in Ephesians 4 verse 29. We're almost finished, okay? Ephesians 4 verse 29 from the Passion Translation. Watch this. And never, not sometimes or not when you think it's right, never, okay? And never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth. But instead, let your words become beautiful gifts. Watch this. That encourage others. Do this by speaking, watch this, words of grace to help them. <laughs> so what did God just say? He said, encourage others by extend, extending grace to them. Speak grace, show grace, live grace. In other words, don't let it be on the basis of their merit and performance. Let it be on the basis of unmerited favor. Amen. Now, if God tells us to encourage others that way, why would we think that He would do any different or less for us? And I've just proven to you that that's not what He does. Amen. That's why true encouragement is fueled by His grace. Amen. You really want to encourage someone? Fuel it with grace. Fuel it with God's grace. In other words, don't look at their merits or performance and tailor your encouragement to suit, you know, your opinions and how you feel about what they did, what they didn't do, or this and that. No, just encourage them because of who they are. And I'm speaking to myself here today. Amen. We all need to learn and be encouraged by this. Praise God. You see, when grace is the fuel of our own encouragement, it becomes the fuel of our encouragement to others. Amen. Now, let me say this. Listen carefully. Being encouraged is evidence that we have allowed God's grace to work in our lives. Right? 
By the same token, being an encourager is evidence that we allow God's grace to work through us. Isn't that so? I mean, in everything we've seen, that's what we see there. So someone who's discouraged, someone who just cannot find encouragement, it's because they haven't received and allowed God's grace to work in their lives. And someone who cannot encourage others, it is because they haven't experienced the encouragement of God, fueled by His grace. Amen. You see, encouragement is not something we're supposed to make a legalistic issue. I'll encourage you because you deserve it. I'll encourage you because you've earned it. No, I'll encourage you because it is based on God's unmerited favor, period. Amen. And that's how we receive it and that's how we should give it. So ultimately, grace alone is the true source of encouragement. Yes, for sure. Grace alone is the foundation of encouragement. Yes, for sure. Grace alone is the true empowerment of encouragement. Yes, of course. Praise God. So I want to encourage you to let God's wonderful grace fuel you with all the encouragement you may ever need. In Jesus' name. Amen. Do you receive that today? I trust that you do. And may God's wonderful encouragement just flood you. I can sense the anointing right now. And I sense that even as I stretch my hands out towards you today, His encouragement is just flooding your heart, flooding your life. Because like Paul, you've just had this aha moment and you've just laid aside yourself, your merit, your performance, and you are just receiving His encouragement by grace. And I believe wonderful things are about to happen from here on. Amen. Praise God. We trust you were blessed by this message. For more resources and to support our ministry, please go to redemptioninjesus.com.